I'm Jenny Carlson. I'm Barry Trammell. Welcome to the Jenny and Barry Show. But before we get to that, we want to say thanks to these sponsors for supporting the Jenny and Barry Show. The Oklahoma Ford Dealers Association, MidFirst Bank, Next Gen Roofing, Two Fellas Movers, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, 988, Oklahoma's Mental Health Lifeline. Drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. And let's face it, a box of pizza and a case of beer just don't work like they used to when you're moving. Nobody wants to help you. But we know two fellas who love moving. At Two Fellas Moving Company, we offer free, no-strings quotes for your move. With more than 20 years' experience, we've pretty much moved it all. Our services don't end up moving either. Need to do some remodeling or spring cleaning? We have you covered with dumpster rentals and junk haul services. Remember, all the quotes are free and there are no strings attached. So if you're moving in Oklahoma, make sure to call the fellas. Visit twofellas.com for your free quote today. All right, Barry, Vegas odds makers, they were a little bit busy last week with the Super Bowl, but they took some time to put out their odds for win totals. And uh, as you mentioned, OU OSU seven and a half is kind of where they uh, have fallen. That seems kind of low. Does it feel low to you? Well, it feels low to me. Uh, when OU first came out at six and a half, I think everybody in the state was stunned. Um, <laughs> but one of the problems is when you look at OU's schedule and you realize, you know, while you, you see six and a half or even seven and a half, you think, well, take the over, take the over. Yeah. If you go through the schedule, you think, well, I think so. Probably so, but. Not for sure. Well, don't have... you don't you start though with the four gimmies? Their yeah. non-conference games right. are easy. four easy wins, Barry. Yeah, easiest non-conference schedule in OU football history, probably. Hmm. Uh, Temple, Tulane, Houston, Maine. Um, two schools from the northeast corner of America, and two schools from the from the Gulf Coast. Who eighteen months ago were uh, twelve months ago were were mid-majors. One of them has moved up to the Big 12. So easy, easy non-con. But you get into that SEC schedule, and there are not a lot of automatic victories. South Carolina in Norman, yes. Outside of that, there's not even a win you can say would take a massive upset for OU to lose. When you're looking at you know, when you're looking at Tennessee coming to town, going to Auburn, going to Missouri, going to Ole Miss, game after game after game, you think well, OU could win, maybe even yeah. OU should win, but you don't know that OU will win. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, you know, even a team like Missouri, you know, which if we were sitting here a year ago and Missouri's on Oklahoma's schedule, you probably think, well, there's a win. I mean, if Oklahoma had played like they had played this last year, but then Missouri has a great season last year and suddenly going to Columbia, you know, it it might be a game that Oklahoma wins by double digits but you could see Missouri win in that game too I mean I think I think you're right Barry and especially you know the way that that season finishes out man it's a it's a slobber knocker for the Sooners so if they don't get some wins that are of the toss-up variety early in their in their SEC schedule it's going to be really hard to finish strong I mean they could now I'm not saying that it's impossible that they get to eight wins but Man, it's it's no easy task when you think of of that closing stretch, um, you know, uh, in in the month of November. I mean, I could definitely see eight being a high watermark. Eight and four might you might look at it after the season and think, 
well, that was a pretty good year for the Sooners, quite honestly. Yeah, a couple things has happened. One is this. I think uh, America looks upon the Sooners, they're thinking a lot more about 2022. Yeah. When Brent Venable's first year goes six and seven. Yeah. Then they are 2023 when the Sooners were 10 and three. And frankly, a lot closer to, to more wins than more losses. Right. So they put, they're putting more stock in that, in that 22 subpar performance. And number two is the, the unbalanced schedule in the SEC. The Sooners drew the short straw. There's no doubt about it. They were given, uh, with OU and Texas being on a neutral field, the Sooners are the Longhorns. One, one of the two were going to get only three home games. It was OU that only got three home games. They split up the, all the uh, opponents. No SEC opponent is going to play both OU and Texas. OU got the tougher side of that. Yeah. They're playing uh, Texas got Georgia. But after that, the Sooners get LSU and Alabama. They get uh, the revived Missouri. They got Ole Miss, which everybody's excited about. Meanwhile, uh, they got Tennessee, which people are high on. The uh, the uh, Longhorns get Florida. You know, Florida's way down. Yeah. Uh, they get Texas A&M, which is rebuilding to some degree. Uh, some of the name brands that Texas is playing are in down cycles. So yeah. the adv- the combination of the bad uh, the bad break on the uh, schedule and just how we look at, at the last two OU seasons means not a lot of optimism about Oklahoma football right now. Don't you think there's also maybe some recency bias against what the Sooners did in the Alamo Bowl? Um, you know, they're they're whether right or wrong, because we know that that's not an, a totally accurate portrayal of what the 2024 Sooners are going to look like. They're going to lose some guys. They're going to gain some guys. I mean, obviously, that's the 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 cast of characters is not exact. But you look at. New quarterback, Jackson Arnold, losing Dylan Gabriel. What's the impact of that? You start to get a sense of that. They lose to an Arizona team that, you know, obviously had one of their best seasons in a long time, but it's still not a name brand. It's still not a team that a lot of people would look at and say, man, there's a really good team. When in reality, that was a pretty good team. But I think nationally, the perception of Oklahoma losing to Arizona, six turnovers, new quarterback struggling, I think some of that has to play into this as well. I mean, losing Dylan Gabriel in and of itself, I think was going to be a knock against OU as it relates to Ozmakers. Because let's be honest, Barry, a lot of this has to do with what you were talking about, perception. What do, what do the Ozmakers think the more broad, uh, potentially gambling public thinks about Oklahoma? And the last time people saw the Sooners on the field, it didn't look all that good. So I think that plays into it as well because, you know, six and a half felt really low to me, but seven and a half, you know, when you think about it from that perspective, it doesn't seem all that crazy. Yeah. And here's a question. Oh, you know, Sooners were up two scores, about to go up three scores on Arizona before yeah. the roof caved in with that fumble and everything else. If OU wins the Alamo Bowl, finishes 11 and two, are we having a different conversation? I don't happen to know. I don't know how the American betting public uh, thinks. I don't know how Vegas thinks. That's two things out of my wheelhouse. But I do know that the Sooners were close to an 11-2 and two season. Um, yeah. So would that have changed things? I don't know. But um, 
it when it is a daunting task when you look at that OU schedule. Yeah. You mentioned the November stretch. They go to Missouri, they host Alabama, they go to LSU. And, you know, when things are a little better, no Nick Saban. Thanks, Nick. But it's going to be it's going to be a wild, wild ride through this thing. This was a year when OU needed Vanderbilt. And that's uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, and Texas got Van- Texas got all the scheduling breaks in year one. So yeah, yeah, uh, and, and you know the Sooners have a devil of a time just beating Texas. So um, you can under I can understand it at seven and a half. You know, I think OU will get to eight wins, but I'm yeah, you know, I wouldn't bet it. So, so, so here's the question. Is there a game that you feel like is most important for OU to get over that hump that Vegas sees at seven and a half? Do you feel like if they win this game on their schedule, much better chance to get to eight or more wins next season? I got two for you. One is you need to take care of Tennessee Yeah. Uh, in September. If you beat Tennessee, you're, you're off to a four and start yeah. and things are in pretty good shape, right? I mean, Take go you go take your chances with Texas and whoever else. Uh, the other one is in all uh, at Auburn. You know Auburn is a down program. It's a tradition rich program. It's a tough place to play program. It's a place you, that Alabama almost lost last year. Alabama always has trouble. Almost always has trouble, even when they're over when they overmatch Auburn. Yeah, but it's a place these Sooners have to go win. If you don't win at Auburn, you really think you're going to win at Oxford. You really think you're going to win at Missouri? You really think you're going to win at LSU? So, to me, those are the two games. If you beat Tennessee and Auburn, take your chances with the Rebels. Take your chances with the Tigers. Take your chances with the Crimson Tide. But, those, to me, that's the two key games for having uh, a chance to be an impactful season uh, first year in the SEC. Yeah, I think the home games are of the utmost importance. Obviously, I doubt that OU's favored when Alabama comes to town, but beating beating South Carolina, beating Tennessee, winning your home games, to me, that is that is critical. And then I think what you said about Auburn is right, but to me, it's either Auburn or Missouri. You got to win one of those more winnable road games. And I put it in air quotes because I do know that Missouri is better and Auburn's a tough place to go, but that's that's going to be Jackson Arnold's first true road game as a starting quarterback for the Sooners. So the 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 bar that's out there for him to cross in that game, it's not uncrossable, but it's definitely you know it's it, it this whatever the first road game for him as the the Sooner starting quarterback was was going to be difficult. But this is not an easy place to play. But if they can go and win either at Auburn or Missouri, I think that starts to change, yeah. you know, how things are looking next season. But, man, it's a it's – I'd I'd say this, Jacko. For OU to be OU, for Oklahoma to be Oklahoma, for the fans to to be – to feel like, hey, we are who we say we are, they need to win both those games. I mean, if you lose one of those – I mean, one of them might get you over that Vegas seven and a half yeah, but remember this—we're doing this seven and a half stuff just because it's fun and interesting and sparked our imagination. Yeah, nobody wo- woke up in Norman, Oklahoma, or throughout the great state of Oklahoma today saying, "Man, hope the Sooners can finish eight and four. <laughs> Literally, nobody feels that way. No. So no. you know, maybe nine and three, ten and two would be fabulous. 
But if you want to be nine and three, if you want to be 10 and two, you got to beat both those guys, Auburn and Missouri. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. Yeah, this is, you said earlier, easiest non-conference schedule Oklahoma's ever had. This is the toughest conference schedule mm-hmm. they've ever had. So an interesting yep. marriage of schedules for Oklahoma that they're going to have to maneuver next year. Let's uh, let's pivot over to OSU because they started at seven and a half on the Vegas line win total, and that's where they've stayed. Three non-conference games that, unlike OU's non-conference games, OSU's are not gimmies. And then the Cowboys have a couple of other Big 12 contenders very early on their schedule. Uh, but let's start with that non-conference slate, Barry, because to me, uh, by the end of September, we are going to have a great idea of what this Oklahoma State team is. And it looks a little hairy when you bring in the the FCS um, you know, national champ to open the season. And yet that Tulsa, even at Tulsa and Arkansas, those should be games. Oklahoma State has shown that it's it elevated itself last year. It should win all three non-conference games. Yeah, the Cowboys should be 3-0, and but all three are at least interesting, right? Yeah, all three of them, you sort of wake up and say, no, we ought to win, but they, they're, they're all comma-butt games. South Dakota State's two-time def, uh, defending champion, uh, 1AA. Those kinds of teams, North Dakota State before them, have a history of playing tough against the against Big 12-type opponents. We've seen North Dakota State beat uh, Kansas State and Bill Snyder. Uh, that's the game where Bill Snyder famously wrote a, a, a congratulatory letter to Carson Wentz after after uh, North Dakota State came in and, and beat the Wildcats. So that potentially they could be tough. In this age of the portal where guys can leave pretty easy, I would assume South Dakota's not going to be as stout as, say, 2017 North Dakota State, but you never know. Yeah. Going to Tulsa shouldn't even be a road game for OSU. Cowboy fans should be throughout the stadium, but you never know when you go on the road. OSU historically has had trouble at Tulsa. You know, they went, they had a, a, a quite a few game losing streak uh, in, in Tulsa's old Skelly Stadium. In recent years when they played, Cowboys have, have been dominant, and they should win that one. Uh, but it's still, in theory, a road game. And then Arkansas is an SEC team. Rebuilding, um, not projected to be very good. So that should be a win, too. So Cowboys should get to three, Yeah, but it's not automatic. Yeah. And the thing that I, I, I tend to agree that 3-0 and is where they will start, but they've had some slow starts. Even some really good teams have had slow starts. We saw it a year ago when they were trying to figure out their offensive uh, personnel. We saw it the year that they played for a Big 12 title. Um, you know, so we've seen good OSU teams have slow starts. These are the type of opponents a slow start could mean a loss like it did a year ago to South Alabama. Now, difference this year, unlike last year, they know who their quarterback is. They know who their best tailback is. They've got an offensive line that is solidified and returning. And, you know, Barry, you mentioned the transfer portal, how it can you know, transform teams, but Oklahoma state, you know, after a year after they were transformed in a, uh, a a takeaway sort of sense, players leaving and them having to backfill, uh, and figure out who could step into the void. They know a lot of those answers coming into next season. They've got experienced guys. They've got some talented guys. So I like their chances in this portal era to have a team 
that wasn't beset by a bunch of transfers. They're keeping a lot of their really good players. So I think that bodes well for them in non-conference play. Um, so I'm with you. I think OSU wins all three. I think they start the season 3-0. and But then they've got these two whammies to start the Big 12 play. Utah comes to Stillwater, and then the Cowboys head to K-State, two other teams that are among the expected contenders in the Big 12. Are those the biggest barriers for Oklahoma State getting over that Vegas hump? Or, or what do you see, sort of like we were talking about with OU, what are the OSU must-wins to get to eight or more wins next year? Well, probably so. It's one of the cool things about the Big 12 schedule is a lot of front-loaded games. We got some early season games matching what, in my mind, is like five contenders. Um, when you look at KUK State, OSU, Arizona, Utah, a bunch of, uh, of those teams match up against each other in the first two or three weeks of conference play. So for OSU, that's, that's it, those two games, uh, K-State, Utah, and, and then take your chances from there. And, um, you know, uh, oh, the Cowboys can navigate the rest of it. Now, the beauty of the Big 12, then and now, past and present, is its newfound parity. They, uh, you never know what's going to happen. Right. You don't know if, if playing, you know, a four and six Baylor is going to be any easier than playing a, an eight and two Utah. You just don't know because things are so wild. But from what we know now, that's the key. That's the key. If you, if you get the, uh, get the leap on some of those fellow contenders, a, a good season ensues. I'm intrigued by the low number though. When you look at, when you look at the Big 12 over-under numbers, yeah. OSU is tied for seventh. Yeah, it was I mean, crazy it, to look at that, Barry. Yeah, Utah, nine and a half. K-State, nine and a half. Arizona, Kansas, Tech, UCF, all eight and a half. Yeah. Before you get into the seven and a half crowd of OSU, ISU, and TCU. Right. Now, historically, Vegas has undervalued OSU yeah. oh, on the over-under totals during the week with, uh, with point spreads. Um, I tend to think that's because Oklahoma State fan base is probably not a terribly uh, energetic betting crowd. They probably don't, don't do a lot of uh, stuff on the betting lines yeah. and, and yeah. no amount of, no amount of uh, stuff really gets them going. So most teams are inflated by their own, their own fans, uh, Vegas uh, tendencies. So that's one reason why OSU is generally underrated. But I don't see the justification for having OSU down below Kansas State, down below um, Arizona, mm -hmm. um, down below Tech and UCF. Yeah. So I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't, that I don't understand. Right. The Tech and UCF to me were, were big surprises to be ahead of Oklahoma State. I don't think that'll happen in the final Big 12 standings. I think Oklahoma State will be better than both of those teams. Now, both those teams could be you know, among the teams that at the end of next season we're saying, hey, there's a team we didn't expect to be as good this year, and maybe they step into you know, that, that parity that we've seen in the Big 12. But you know, to me, what you just said about OSU is also borne out in some of these other teams. I mean, Kansas, they don't have to play a bunch of these other contenders. They 
probably have among the contending teams, at least the contending teams in the minds of people in Big 12 country, they don't have a ton of those opponents. They don't have Oklahoma State, for example. So Kansas' schedule looks to be set up really well for the Jayhawks to be up towards the top of the standings, but you don't see them ahead of Utah, K-State. Now, I'm not saying that K-State deserves a lower number or Utah, but it just feels like that perception aspect. I mean, again, it is what the odds makers think will play well with the betting public. So it makes sense that, you know, if you're a better, uh, you know, on the East Coast and you see Kansas at eight and a half, you might think Kansas football, you know, I, I'm, I'm taking the under on that. And you might not look and realize that they have had a rebirth, that they don't have a schedule that could hold them back. So I think some of that is probably at play because frankly, I go back to when we first saw the Big 12 schedule for Oklahoma State. I go back to some of what I thought at that point. You know, they did get some of these teams that you don't really know how they're going to fall. A Tech, for example, a West Virginia. They got those teams at home. Yes, they've got to go to BYU. Yes, they've got to go to Colorado. Um, yes, they've got to go to K-State. But they got some teams that you might say, you know, maybe they could, maybe they could jump up. You know, they've got good coaching or they've got some players coming back. Teams that always maybe are kind of in that middle mix of, of things. Oklahoma State gets them in Stillwater. I think that bodes well for Oklahoma State to get over that seven and a half game mark and maybe well over Barry. I don't know what I'd pick right now, but I think I would take the over without much problem at all. Oh yeah, I would too. I mean, I'm, I'm would predict OSU at least nine and three in the regular season. Um, I think it's, did we count? I think it's 18 starters returning in the portal age, which is just madness. I mean, that doesn't happen. You got your quarterback back. You got Ollie Gordon back. You got your coaching staff back. Uh, continuity still matters. And um, one, that's one of the reasons people like Utah so much is because Kyle Whittingham is – uh, been there, you know, three weeks longer than Gundy's been head coach. They're the uh, they're the standard bearers, along with uh, Kirk Ferentz up at Iowa in terms of longevity. So, um, I like this Cowboys season prospects. I I think the, the Cowboys are going to be Big Twelve challengers. I think they very well could find themselves in Arlington, and I won't be betting any money. But if I did, I would jump all over the over on the uh, on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Okay, so we're both taking over seven and a half for OSU. What about OU? If you're betting the Sooners, are you taking over seven and a half or are you going under? I'm going to go over. Um, uh, when it was six and a half, I'd take the way over. At yeah. seven and a half, I'll still take the over. I do think, I look, you know, we talked about it, but I think uh, the four plus South Carolina plus Auburn, um, I think those are going to be six, get to eat six pretty easy. And then I think, you know, winning at Missouri, winning at Ole Miss, even beating Alabama and Norman, I think, is going to be uh, doable. Don't know if it'll happen, but I think it's doable. I think uh, ding dong, the witch is dead. So <laughs> that's, the, you know, you don't tremble in fear anymore at Alabama. Yeah. And what about this question, Barry? With, with both these teams setting at seven and five, maybe this is sort of a, a fear factor measure. Is it more likely that both teams get over seven and five or both teams? fall on the under oh i think it's i think it's more likely they go over because i'd be stunned if osu didn't go over yeah um 
yeah, I'm much more confident in OSU than OU getting over the seven and a half. But um, I don't. Uh, I the Cowboys can surprise you. You know they had to. They had the great twenty one season. Then they're six and one, ranked ninth in in twenty two, and yeah. the and the bottom falls out, and they're not any good for the next calendar year, really, or eleven months. But outside of that, they've played pretty good football for most of the last nine years, 10 years. Mm-hmm. So I, I think OSU is going to go over. And so if, if we're going to parlay it, I think the Sooners caught in their wake and go with them. Yeah. I don't know if I care much about the money put on any of this. I just want to know, are we, is the misery index high next season? And I think it's, I think, I mean, people are going to be excited because of the changing conferences, the changing opponents, the landscape's going to look different. I know we're all bummed about, well, I say all you and I are bummed about Bedlam being over, but um, I think a lot of other people are too. So there's that downer, but I don't think that these two teams are, are destined for, you know, bad seasons. Um, And I think frankly, they could both be, you know, double digit win type of season. So misery index, I'm saying it's low Barry. Hey, I'm ready for, let's go. Let's say, let's go uh, 10 and two Sooners, 11 and two Cowboys who lose the Big 12 title game. Committee ranks them eight and nine. We can have Bedlam in the playoff. You wrote about this, I think, last November. Have, yeah. have uh, Bedlam in the playoff, and you know the committee can decide whether it's Norman or Stillwater. That'd be awesome. I'm all for that, and here we sit in uh, February, and we're all excited about college football season. Good news, it'll be here before we know it. But that's all the time we've got this week. we got all sorts of football content. Yes, football content at selloutcrowd.com. You can find our columns, videos, and podcasts there, as well as barrytrammell.com and jenny-carlson.com. If you want our content sent straight to your inbox, it's easy. Just go to selloutcrowd.com and opt into our newsletters. This happens to be your first time hearing or watching us. Be sure to subscribe to our show on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.